Hello, everyone. This is Rick with the CyberPro Podcast. Industry leaders share their insights. Five questions in about nine minutes because hackers never sleep. Let's get to it. Frank, I've met you before. You're an awesome dude. Tell everybody else who you are and what you do. Well, I really appreciate that. So I'm Frank Duff. Um, right now, I'm the Chief Innovation Officer at Tidal Cyber. Um, so that means that I'm helping a lot of organizations adopt threat informed defense, uh, figuring out what features I need to do to bring to the community so that they can better utilize threat informed defense and do do all that good researchy type stuff. Uh, before that, worked at MITRE for 18 years. Like that was my entire professional career before January when I started Tidal Cyber with a couple others. Um, so steeped in attack for the last eight of those, doing everything from detection engineering to helping products figure out how to integrate attack into their their products, into their roadmaps, and then figuring out how to evaluate products based on the, the attack framework. Um, so very much focused around threat-informed defense for the last about eight to 10 years and and, and really enjoying it. That's, that's awesome. And I know, I know you had a great career at MITRE, and, and I know that you're loving what you're doing with Title. I'm really curious as to why you like being a cyber professional. So I like being a cyber professional because frankly, it affects everyone. Right. Like the 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 broad impact. I mean, there there's probably sexier jobs out there. But at the end of the day, right, I'm affecting one that that hits everyone. Right. Like there a couple of years ago, um, a, a major hospital in my area got hacked. Right. And we had to change all of our appointments and my wife couldn't get into some specialist for a couple months. And it's like that is a problem that needs to be solved, right? We can't just shut down life for a couple months and, oh, don't worry about getting that 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 procedure, right? Like it's like, it, it affects everyone, right? Between school systems, hospitals, banks, right? It, it, it just, it, it, it's got that broad just need for solution. Um, I think the other thing is that it's just so rapidly evolving, right? There's always something new to address. There's always some new research problem. And so for somebody that's very inquisitive like myself and, and kind of like ADD for, for um, 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 attention, right? Like I get to look at a broad spectrum of things, tackle a new problem today, tackle a new problem tomorrow. But at the end of the day, hopefully they're all leveling up to be some, some overarching success story at the end of the day. That's, that's great. So <clears throat> I'm going to pivot this to the world at large. And I'm, I'm very curious where you're going to take your answer on this. But today, cybersecurity is a top concern. I use air quotes for that because I don't know what that means to you. And that's what I'm curious about. So I could read into that glass half full, half empty, right? I could view that as cybersecurity is like the biggest concern because threats are everywhere, right? That's a very true story. And I think the other half of it is also that cybersecurity is the biggest challenge because there's a lot of confusion in how to do it right. And so it's more of like the defending solutions are part of the problem in that case, right? There's an ever-evolving threat landscape. There's the ever-evolving defensive landscape. There's the new catchphrase of the day about this is how you're supposed to protect yourself and, and defend yourself better. And right, so you're in this very dynamic environment. And that at the end of the day is like the biggest challenge, right? It's being able to figure out how to navigate this constantly evolving in every direction space and try to always progress, right? And and, and so for end user organizations, like you got to look at it and like, how, how are people doing it, right? And and frankly, they're doing better. Um, if you look uh, five years ago, right? Like when median dwell time was over 200 days for, for groups, right? Like, so for three quarters of a year, they're in your network before you even know that they're in your network, right? That that's that had to be a terrifying time to live. 
Um, <laughs> so it's getting better, but it's still so hard. And, and we're expecting too much out of people. And then there's the problems of not enough people are, are, um, are trained up to do the job that they need to do. It's a lot of information that's siloed and it's a lot of clicks that communicate with each other and trust groups and all this stuff that, that don't help the broader community. So bottom line is too many different ways to go and too little information sharing, too high a bar and all these other things that set us up for unfortunately failure in too many cases. So Let's take that down that rabbit hole a little bit and, and see what insight from your 18 plus years of experience in cybersecurity would you like to share with our, our community of cyber pros? So I think one of the biggest things I tell people is um, as big of a problem as it is, um, it's not all solvable by any one person. I think that a lot of us try to be experts in everything. We see InfoSec Twitter, we see this expert, that expert, that expert, and we think, God, I don't know a lot, right? That whole imposter syndrome type of, of concept. But really, people are only experts in that one thing they're talking about, right? And, and, and they're just doing the best they can. And I think the sooner you can realize that, all right, let's focus on doing the best I can. Let's focus on making incremental improvements to whatever I'm doing, learn a little bit more, try some new things, continually get better, right? Like, I think like that's the biggest thing that, that, that I would, would, would urge the community to do is realize that you can't do everything and you don't know everything. Nobody knows everything. But if you realize that, then use your network, right? Be able to communicate. People are very open. People are very sharing as much as it might seem clicky. And I used the word clicky before. It's often perceived clickiness. They're more than happy to share with you if you just go and you you share with them, right? And so like build those networks and, and build that community and don't try to take it all on by yourself and all at once. I'm going to throw a curveball question in before we get to the fun question for you, because I like what you just said there. I like the idea of building that team that's not just internal to your own organization. And we're all in this together. Right? We're all we're all dealing with, if not the same, very similar uh, concerns. So I think this pivots back to what you guys are doing at Title as well. How can the communities in our space be more transparent? So. I, th I, I mean, that, 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 that could go a lot of different ways. Um, I think that one of the biggest challenges is the right level of transparency and the right motivations around transparency. I think there's a lot of talk about transparency, which is good, but in practice, it sometimes becomes too hard, right? Like, so a lot of, a lot of times people are transparent, right? They throw up a, a, a new knowledge base up on GitHub. Great, right? We ha now have all this knowledge on GitHub. And it's done in the name of transparency and, and improving the community. How many people are actually able to use that content? Right. It's it's about not just delivering it. It's about like what you do to communicate it, how you make it so that it's more accessible. Make sure that you're you're doing all the things necessary so somebody can then go and pull that off the shelf and actually use it themselves. Um, and I think that that's the bigger challenge with transparency. I think that you also get a lot of to the other end of the spectrum, a lot of overgeneralization around transparency. So think about attack. Right. The, the, the reason why attack evaluations came into existence four or five years ago was because the vendor community was all grabbing attack because they realized the importance of it, realized that it was this great language. 
but then they tried to just say, okay, we're covered. Here's our green. We cover all the techniques, right? And then it was overgeneralized. Like, sure, you might have some capability there, but how? Is it a specialized rule that you have to deploy? Is it because you assumed because you blocked this other thing that you've got coverage over? There are so many different like nuances to it that it became a challenge. So I think it's about figuring out what's that right level of transparency to so the abstract level that users can actually use it, but to the detailed user that if you need to zoom in to really implement it, you have the ability to and do it without requiring um, too much expertise. And so I know that that's a big ask, but I think that that's the thing that we need to continue to drive for is think about who's the reader gonna be for this. And that reader's got a job that they have to justify to the boss. And how do you help them kind of all push in a common direction. And that's why we asked the curveball questions because that's the insight we're looking for. Frank, we're gonna end with a fun question. What's your favorite piece of retro technology that makes you smile? <laughs> retro technology, so, so uh, not one that I use, but, uh, but I will say that every time HD DVD comes up in conversation, I absolutely love because like I was, I was, I mean that that was like in my my wheelhouse. Phrase like in the early twenties of my my life, I was like purely in that mode. And all I can think back to is those poor saps that had to do with like beta and and VHS and all that stuff. But like I remember living that, and I remember like going hardcore into HD DVD because I was an Xbox fanboy at the time, and 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 that was a regret. Um, but but uh, <laughs> yeah, so so that always brings a smile to my but but for probably all the wrong reasons. But just like reminiscing about like ah. Oh, that's technology for you. Frank, thank you so much for being on the CyberPro Podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for watching the CyberPro Podcast. Please like and subscribe. We'd love to have you following so you can get all the cool new updates.